honey on my lips. The psalmist said in Psalm 19 verse 10 about the word of God that it is sweeter than honey. Join Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills. Life has a way of dishing out to us things that we did not expect. Sometimes it's a dream that seems to be delayed. Many times you see a man, you know, he has a good job, he's a cool dude, his suit is smart, and you think when I marry him, everything will be together. The unexpected is unexpected from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it is not unexpected. On Sweet Melodies 94.3, as she puts the honey of God's word on your lips, equipping you for all facets of life this and every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Honey on my lips will change your life, preach good news to the poor, set the captives free, heal the brokenhearted, bring recovery of sight to the blind, and proclaim God's year of jubilee. Honey on my lips. Mmm. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on Sweet Melodies. Blessed by God as you tune in to Lady Reverend Adelaide Pewart Mills. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of meeting here, not for ourselves, but for your kingdom and for your work. And Lord, there's nobody you have called that you haven't blessed. For indeed, when you called Peter and you used his boat, you blessed him beyond his wildest imagination. Thank you for the privilege of being vessels that you can use. We pray that in our time here, you will speak to us. We pray that the Holy Spirit will lead us and take absolute control. We submit ourselves to your will, to your leading, to your guidance, to your unction, to your anointing, to your obedience, Lord. Thank you that your will will be done. Thank you that we'll leave this place changed and charged and filled with the Holy Spirit to make a difference. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Praise the Lord. I want to thank God for this time when we can meet to hear from him about his children, his work, and his kingdom. Amen. Our theme verse is John 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Amen. Amen. Now, it's interesting that Jesus said this after they had dined. Jesus said a lot of things in seemingly casual and relaxed environments. Amen. Amen. So some of you, if you were in Jesus' time, you would have said he's not very serious about this because if he were serious, he would not talk to me when we are eating. 
or when we have finished eating because you expect that spiritual things will only be done in a time of fasting. But sometimes when people are relaxed, that's when they say very great things. And uh, at this time in the Bible, the disciples knew that Jesus had risen from the dead, but they were disillusioned. So the Bible said that Peter said, I go a fishing, and the other said, and we come with thee. You know, and then when they went, things didn't really work out. <laughs> work out so well. In verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. It's a wonder how when we are pursuing our own agenda, we do things immediately. And when we are doing the things of God, we do it rather slowly. And that night, they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore... And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. This is different from the one that Peter alone encountered Jesus. But it was after the resurrection. And although Jesus had risen, they didn't know what it meant to them. So then they said, look, let's go back to our secular work. It gives us something worthwhile to do. And sometimes when we look at God's work, we think that our work with computers, our work with the office, our work with whatever, is more like work than our work in the church. But our work in the world is just supposed to help us to do our work in the kingdom. And the work in the kingdom it's not less important than our work in the world. And when we put too much emphasis on our work in the world, it's not that you shouldn't do the work well, but your heart, where your heart is, you know. I'm glad that I was a lay pastor for 10 years. No, more than, but working at Attorney General's for 10 years, more than because I was working elsewhere before then. So I'm glad that I had that experience. And I'm glad that because of that, I also appreciate lay people who do God's work. Because I know that it's not easy to balance the two. But in being a lay person, we should strive, like Bishop says, to have a full-time heart. So you can be a lay person, but you have a full-time heart. And your full-time heart is that the kingdom of God comes first. The kingdom of God is more important. And the kingdom of God is something you will invest in more than you will invest in your secular things. But I'm sure that if we were to take account of our lives, many of us will find that that's not how it is. And then what happens is that We toil for so much, 
and the whole night we catch nothing. We toil in our secular jobs, we toil for promotion, we toil for salaries, we toil for employment. It's not wrong to toil for that, but when you set God aside and you go and toil on this side, it is like putting money in a bag of holes. And then we never stop to look at the correlation or the relationship between the two. But when Peter said, I go out fishing, and he went, he used all his energy. And remember, he was uh, uh, an expert in fishing, and yet he caught nothing. And so when Jesus got there, he asked him, children, have you caught anything? He's God. He knows everything. So the question was a rhetorical question, as we say. It's not supposed to be answered. It's a question that's supposed to keep you and I thinking or to get us thinking. So when God asks you that, so as you have gone to this job, uh, you've put your whole thing in it. Have you caught anything? The answer is not supposed to be, oh no, then you move on. The answer is supposed to be, uh, it's true. Why don't I shift my emphasis? Why don't I seek first the kingdom? Why don't I put first things first and see what God will do? Amen. Amen. So they toiled and they caught nothing. And then also, when Peter said, I go a fishing, I didn't expect the others to say, we go with you. The person may be a senior, in, maybe even in church, but it doesn't mean that what he is doing is correct and you should follow it. The Bible says that we will stand as individuals before God. So when Peter says, I go a fishing, then you all say, we go with you. I mean, when I was reading, I said, that God is very forgiving and merciful. Because I don't think that in this modern age, if you had a job like your earthly boss or even in church has given you a job, and then when he comes, you say, you know, I've changed my mind, I'm going out fishing. And then the others also follow you. You are not likely to come back and meet your job. You will be fired. But God is merciful. And he keeps giving us many chances. But what we have to know is that life has an expiry date. And the time within which you will obey God has an expiry date. Sometimes people say Jesus is coming. It's true. But sometimes he is not coming. You are rather going you know, so there, there are two ways of meeting Jesus. Either he comes during the rapture or you go and meet him earlier. And then when you stand before him, what will you say? For everything, we must give an account. Everything. So whoever is passing through your hands as a child, whoever came to you from I church, K church, J church, Y church, whoever, Pass through your hands. If God asked you to give an account, you don't even know their names. You don't even know what's happening in their lives and you could care less. But you've been fishing. You've been fishing for degrees, evening school. There's nothing wrong with it. By the grace of God, we are well educated. So we can't, you can't say we don't believe in education. Sandwich courses... And when you finish the sandwich, they even said they don't recognize it. (laughs) 
Then we said they don't. Yes, you have masters, and so what? You are still at your pay grade. They haven't changed anything. You went out fishing, and you caught nothing. Hallelujah. You went out fishing for marriage. You caught nothing. You didn't catch any fish. You've told that many years. In spite of your makeup, in spite of what you tell the sisters, they are always bouncing you. But when you are anointed, the anointing makes you beautiful. The anointing makes you attractive. Amen. After the Bible says that by reason of the anointing, the maidens love thee. So some of you brothers, nobody likes you. Is that you are anointing free. That's why. So in these times, we have to tell God, anoint us. We have been dry for too long. We need your touch. Yet another touch. Amen. Now, the conversation continues. Jesus showed them where to cast the net. He just said on the right side. They've been fishing the whole night. Whether they didn't go to the right side, I don't know. But he said, just put the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. In law, they say shall is mandatory. Shall means that to bow means happen. May means you are not sure. So when Jesus said, and ye shall find. So you see, when God is providing, there's less toil and there's less human effort. Yes, you do the exam. Yes, you write. But a certain promotion and a certain open door can only come through God. I always say that as UD, especially the church beginning as Lighthouse, we could never have prayed the prayer topics to bring into being what God has done. I don't know if you understand. But like, we used to have prayer duty because... Bishop has brought a lot of the things he's learned in medicine to bear on the ministry. So just as a doctor goes on duty, we had prayer duty. So whether you were working, whether you were whatever, there was a roster and you were on duty for each night. And when you came on prayer duty, you had given prayer topics. So one of them was increase us with men as a flock. It wasn't about promotion. It wasn't about breakthrough, break forth, and break in. And break down. It was just about increase us with men as a flock. And then ask of me, and I'll give the nations as an inheritance. So we prayed for the nations on prayer duty and we prayed for increase when the church didn't look like it would even become international and when I look back wow, we prayed for nations and the church is in so many nations today so prayer works so sometimes and often what we should accomplish by prayer makes it easier than what but when we were praying that We couldn't have prayed 
put us in 70 countries, make us 3,000, give us missionaries to go there. You don't even know that you will need missionaries. You don't know you will need training. You don't know how the answer to that prayer is going to come about. That's why Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or think. Another version says, or even imagine. Do you understand? But that is God. So you may be praying, give me money, give me this, give me that. And some of us may not have prayed that. Although we were poor when we got married, we didn't even know we were poor. That's a blessing. Amen. Amen. So the reason why we didn't pray for that prayer topic was not because we were so spiritual, but because we didn't know we were poor before we even prayed about it as a problem. But now when I look back, I say, what? We were poor. (laughs) As my husband, I said, how come I didn't know you were so poor? He said, it's called grace. You know, so what God has done and is doing, we could never have put it in a prayer topic so that you would say that, oh, we prayed and then this is it. We prayed, but he did far more exceedingly, abundantly, above what we asked for. And in the same way, when Jesus just said, cast it to the right and ye shall find. It means that he's not against your provision. He's not against you having enough for this life. But he's against you behaving as if he's incapable and you behaving as if the world can provide for you more than Jesus. That one he is not happy with. And when he comes, he cuts your toil because he says, say this to your boss. Or the Holy Spirit whispers to your boss, buy her a car, give her a promotion, let your mind come on her. Only God can do that. Amen. You know, I was in Israel this year. So um, God uses methods we are not expecting or sometimes they don't look powerful. So when I was in Israel, the last day before I left, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Ruth. But I've read it so much. So that day, when it was like my quiet time was Ruth again. No, not Ruth, um, Esther. I'm like, Esther again, anyway. I felt that I was being led to read Esther, so I went to Esther. And then the Holy Spirit began to show me that, do you see Mordecai? Humanly speaking, he had, didn't have even a dog's chance of becoming anything because the great person was Haman. And the Bible says the king promoted Haman. And then the king advanced Haman. And then the king lifted Haman up. So three levels of promotion. And you, Mordecai, you are in the gate. And even the gates, it's not like you have been employed there. You just sit there. You see those people who sit with watchmen to chat. That type of person. And you are sitting there, and then he overhears that two people are plotting to kill the king. So he alerts the palace. And then the king executes these two people. And Esther says... Write Mordecai's name in the book that he did this. But for all the years that lapsed, although he had saved the king's life, he was never promoted. 
His name never came up. It wasn't an issue. Then the Bible says, this Haman, the king even removed his ring. So that Haman, anything you say is law. Anything you say is law. You know? And then the Bible says that the king could not sleep in the night. One night. He could not sleep. And he said, bring the history books I want to look through. And when he looked, he saw that, ah, Mordecai, so he saved my life. Then he asked, what has been done for him? And they said, nothing. He said, oh, promoting. So he asked Haman, if you want to promote somebody, what would you do? And Haman thought it was himself. So he went to town. He said, I'll get the king's horse. I'll use the king's clothes. I will really do this and this and that for the person. Because he thought it was him. And then the king said, do it for Mordecai. Now, what is my point? Sleeplessness of a king is what God will use. By you. You don't even have the sense, you and I, that, oh, sleeplessness is a weapon. How, how will we know? We are not God. We have the presence of God. That's why we must always be led by the Holy Spirit. But when God decides to use somebody who matters, his sleeplessness, to remember you, and also the fact that he wasn't remembered earlier was God. Because if he had been remembered earlier, it wouldn't have helped the cause of the Jews. Also, but at the right time, when the wickedness was rife, then the king saw. And how he saw was that he couldn't sleep. So sometimes your boss may not be able to sleep. And say, bring me the books. What about this girl? She hasn't been promoted in a long while. Let her be promoted. What brought the sleeplessness to your boss? The spirit of God. Why did the spirit of God become interested in you? Because you put him first. Mordecai was just fasting, praying, walking at the palace in sackcloth and ashes, praying for God's people and the verdict that had come to them that they were going to be wiped out. He was praying about that. He was weeping. He was wailing. He was telling Esther, you need to do something. You need to save God's people. He hadn't thought about himself. But God said, I will use sleeplessness of the king to bless you and to lift you up. And I will do it in my time. Amen. So God is a better provider. Amen. That is why you shouldn't do shoddy work in the things of God. This morning I was talking to my husband. I said that some people say, I'm, I'm, I'm sanguine. So whatever I do is disorderly. And some people say, I'm melancholic. So I think so much that in the end I can't perform. You know? And I said that, but when we were growing up in Scripture Union, we were told, irrespective of your temperament, that whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. That's what we were told. So... Another one says, whether you eat or you drink, do it all to the glory of God. So we knew that even when you were sweeping, it was to the glory of God. So you have to do it as unto the Lord. That was the training. And I was telling about that teaching and that verse transcends all weaknesses of all temperaments. 
So then you rise up and you look like you are a choleric, but you are not a choleric. The reason why you have become so devoted is the verse that says, whatsoever you do, in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. So if you have been given the charge of children and you never prepare, I'll come to that. You never prepare for you to pray for them. Oh, oh and there's Jara. Never. It does not get to you. Your prayer topic is always about you. And your marriage and your breakthrough and your breakthrough and your but the lambs that have been given to you is not your concern. You just show up on Sunday. And then when you finish, you and your friends discuss the children. Very bad, but when just like a secular person. You are so carnal, so unspiritual about everything. And you don't see God in what you are doing. So you don't know that whatever you do, that's what we were told. So they said that before you go for fellowship, you should have done everything right. You have swept. If you have to cook, you've cooked. If you have to lay the table, you have laid the table. Before you go and ask permission, please, can I go to fellowship? Because the Christ in you should show in everything you do. Your speech, your attitude, your attitude when you are corrected at home. You see, we used to sing a song. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Now, there's nothing like that. It's like church is a social club. You just attend and then you are moving. I even doubt your Christianity. Amen. So from this meeting, we are going to need to be more spiritual. And we are going to need to put God first. That one, sometimes it's even invincible. Invisible. Invisible is different from... Invincible means you cannot be conquered. And invisible means you cannot be seen. Okay? One has an N and C. And one has an just S-I-B-L-E. All right? So learn it. Okay? (laughs) So when God provides for you, he can even use sleeplessness to touch somebody for you. By you, you are toiling. You are doing things. And it's not working. Hmm. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. When God blesses, it's in abundance. It's not scarce. Okay? That is, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he gets his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. It doesn't mean he was stark naked. They had other things they wore, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid there on and bread. So Jesus had already prepared a meal for them. It wasn't the fish that they had caught. God is not looking at the things that he has blessed you with. But he has prepared things that you don't even know about. And it is already cooked. The fire has been provided. And God is already there ahead of you. Amen. But you don't see that. So that multitude of fish, the net you are dragging, that's not what you are going to eat at that time. 
He's standing on the shore. And he has already provided. That's why he asked you, children, have you caught anything? Oh, yeah, so. Have you caught anything? After all your efforts. After your nonchalant way of handling the children. After your heart not being in the things of God. Have you caught anything? Have you caught anything? And when they came, fire, coals, bread, fish. Not what he made you get through a miracle. But he is laying a table before you. That's God. Amen, somebody. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. He wanted them to know the distinction. The one you have caught and the one I have prepared. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, 153. People say that it was prophetic because it shows the 153 nations of the world. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Whatever you use to get the fish, it doesn't cause financial loss to the state. Amen. And Jesus said to them, come and dine. Not come and work, oh. <laughs> come and dine. Amen. And he hasn't stopped calling you to come and dine. God is not against you dining, whining and dining. God is not against that. But he wants our priorities to be right. Amen. Come and dine. You see, we don't see God as so kind, somebody who wants you to enjoy, somebody who wants you to be happy, somebody who wants you to be full. We don't know him like that. It's like he's a hard taskmaster. But he had already prepared the food. Unlike an African chief. African chiefs, they don't do anything. And they don't put their hands to the plow. But Jesus had made the food for them. Ah, what is it like for Jesus to cook for you? you? You may even be afraid to eat. And then he says to them, come and dine. Amen. Come and relax. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh the bread and giveth them. And fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. We are very stubborn. When I read, I said, the man has risen from the dead. He has shown himself two times already and you go out fishing. What other revelation should God give you? How, How else should he show himself to you? He came when Thomas was not there. He said, touch me. Um, this he appeared oh, the, it has not touched you three times and now he comes in and says come and dine and you are afraid to ask Lord is it you it's not you in our service to God there's never a time that you have arrived there's never a time that temptations will cease There's never a time that you will not feel like going back. 
There's never a time that you may not feel like putting your hand to the plow. All those times will come. But by the grace of God, we must prevail. Amen, somebody. Three times. Some of you would have said, as for me, Jesus, he shows himself once. I will not doubt again. Many years ago, T.L. Osborne came to um, Independence Square to hold a massive crusade. We were in Legon then. And uh, to go to the crusade, we did take like cars, like taxi, church, or whatever, to get to Independence Square. And when we got to Independence Square, he preached a very short sermon. And after that, he prayed for healing. I tell you, before our very eyes, cripples, people with goiter. I mean, that was my first feely, feely miracle that I've seen. So as the people were filing to go up on stage to be prayed for, Bishop was also standing by, I'm sure he's forgotten when I go, my mind. He was standing by the back of the stage. Then for some reason, I don't know whether he was speaking in tongues then, because that was his usual way of greeting anyway. Anyway, the whole atmosphere was so charged. That's why we didn't even know about charge, anointing, nothing. But we just knew the Holy Spirit. So as he was standing there praying, then people started to form a queue in front of him to pray for them. And as he was laying hands on them, they were also getting healed. Miracles everywhere. When we finished, I turned to my roommate, who was called Pauline, I said that from today, we would never doubt God's word again. See, the miracles that we have seen today, we would never doubt that God is powerful. Again, we were so happy, you would not believe it. We walked from Independence Square to Legon. A whole crowd, the joy of the Lord. They did. Hey, we didn't need taxi truck before we knew we've arrived. It was, it was supernatural. It was as if you were walking on a cloud. It was, I, I don't know how to describe. It was, I'm even getting goosebumps. It was some experience. We sang, uh, we said that doubt, never again. After you see such a great miracle. How many of you know that after that? You will pray and you'll be saying, will God listen? Does God hear? So even though Jesus had appeared to them three times, it was the third time he has to give them food for them to know that he is of flesh and he has a body and he can eat. You know, it was to prove to them that he had come back in bodily form. Amen. Amen. So in your work to serve God, you will have many times that you will see Jesus and at other times you will say, I go a fishing. But may the Lord deliver us. And then verse 15. So when they had dined, you see, it's not that he just came and said, let's have a restaurant on the shore. Their behavior had brought him there. Then he made a miracle for them to catch a fish. Then he saw that he has to dine with them to prove that he has really resurrected and it's really him. Because they said they dare not ask whether it's him. But when he broke the bread and gave them and all that, he said, uh, it's the Lord. So when they had dined and they were full, they began to ask them spiritual questions. 
Amen. Jesus saith to Simon Peter, not to the rest of the disciples, but to Simon Peter, because he led them on this fishing spree. So maybe when he converts Peter, the rest are converted. Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than this? Bible commentary says that the more than this, people believe, some Bible scholars believe that it's more than the bread and the provision. Some other people say it's more than the other disciples. Is your love stronger? Is your love greater than fish and bread? Is your love greater than your problems, your personal struggles? Is your love greater than what you want God to do for you? Is your love greater? Says Simon, son of Jonas. And also he wanted him to know. You see, so when you say Simon, or you say a name like John, it's everywhere. You see, one day my cousin went to a house and then they asked her, are you looking for somebody? No, she said, uh, uh, no, she said that. I'm looking for somebody. And then they went to call Mr. Obi for him, for her. Do you see? So, Sometimes you are talking about something, but you don't know who. But Jesus wanted Peter to know that it's him. Simon Peter. Simon. The one whose father is called Jonas. I'm addressing you directly. Do you love me more than this? And I think that Peter started to remember how he had betrayed Jesus. How the cock had crowed three times. The cock crowed three times. Jesus showed himself three times. What else do you want? <laughs> so, he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He say, they say that this time he didn't argue. You see, when they were saying that uh, uh, you betray me, he argued, but by this time he had become sober. So he just said, yeah, Lord, thou knowest. Now it's not I know, but you know. Thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, give a big offering. He said unto him, sign a check. He said unto him, Buy me a new phone. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. To feed the lambs of God is the highest indication of your love for the Savior. To feed the lambs of God is one of the highest signs of your love, your devotion. And your respect, your honor for him. Amen. Which you may not think is such a great thing. Oh God, if I love you, I thought you would say something great. If you love me, become a suicide bomber. 
Because that's what some religions do, isn't it? It's like, if you love me, kill yourself. If you love me, strap bullets to yourself. But Jesus said, Thou knowest that I love thee. Then he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Then he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep, because lambs grow. And when lambs grow, they become sheep. When your children grow in the Lord, they will become real sheep. And sheep reproduce after their own kind. And so because you fed the lambs and they became sheep, the kingdom of God will increase. Amen. He said unto him the third time, perhaps the number of times Peter had denied him, is the number of times he's also asking him if he loves him. Three seems to feature here, the, the, the denial, the resurrection, number of times of showing him, and then the number of times of asking this question. He said unto him the, ter- the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time. Because he remembered that the crow too was three times. Lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Amen. Amen. So feeding God's sheep, it's a very, 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 very important thing to God. When somebody says, do you love me? There's a book that talks about the five languages of love. That everybody's way of feeling loved is different. So if you start at what you are putting forth as love is something to for your own personal interest. Amen. Those of you who are married, sometimes you are sowing seeds for your own personal interests. And Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So they said that there are five languages of love. Some of them are affirmation. Some people want you to affirm them. Tell them how nice they are, how good they are. Give them fans. They want affirmation. Some people, love is obedience. Everything they say, you do. Some people, it's an act of service. And some people, it's taking them out. Some people, when you take them out, they say, I don't know what say, Sikawahasa. To them, it's not love. Of course, they shouldn't uh, stay rigid. In, I mean, we must all grow. But I'm trying to say that when God tells you what makes him feel loved, believe it and do it. Amen. So God is saying, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Yeah, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Feed my sheep. Simple. So it can't be. It can't be. How will it benefit him? If I feed the lambs, how will it benefit him? And how will it benefit me? But God is telling us his love language is that you feed the lambs. 
Amen. Now the word feed is from the Greek word bosco. And bosco means to feed, to tend a flock, to provide pasture for, to take care of, to guide, to lead, to defend, to govern, and to shepherd. Amen. To feed, number one. To tend a flock, number two. To provide pasture for, number three. To take care of, number four. To guide, number five. To lead, number six. To defend, number seven. To govern, number eight. And to shepherd. Amen? To shepherd. Now, it is said that the word lambs is from the Greek word anion, A-R-N-I-O-N, which is mentioned also 27 times in the book of Revelations. Amen. The other word for lamp is also amnos. Anion, the first one I told you, means a little lamb. The word lamb means a young sheep without permanent teeth. Lamb means one, a young sheep without permanent teeth. Are you there? Hmm. It also means, number two, a gentle or weak person. Lamb. When he says, feed my lamb. Feed those who don't have permanent teeth. Do you have children who don't have permanent teeth? A lot. When they are six, you see that it's falling out. And in Ghana, we call it motorway. You just look at their teeth, you know the age. So the young ones who don't have permanent teeth, and then somebody who is gentle or weak. Are children weak? They are weak physically. They are weak in will. They are very fragile. Amen. A gentle or weak person is the second one. Lamb. And then a dear pet. A dear pet. You remember when David took Uriah's wife and Nathan came. He gave a parable. He said that there was a man, a traveler came to visit him. And he had many sheep. He didn't take any. But he went to take a poor man's one lamb and made the food for the traveler. And David said, what? That person must die. But he said that the man who had the one lamb, the lamb was dear to him. He kept him in his bosom. He washed him. He even spent time with the lamb. 
And Dick's Bible says that in those days, lambs were pets. They were pets. That's why Nathan gave the parable. So, dear pet is also one of the things that describes a lamb. A person who is easily cheated or deceived. A person who is easily cheated or deceived. That's a lamb. Are children easily cheated and deceived? Easily. That's why people say, go and bring your father's uh, money. Go and bring... I remember when we were young, one of my siblings, a guy who lived, who was much older, lived in our neighborhood, and asked him, where does your father keep his money? And my father was somebody who was really cashless. He hardly carried money on him. But the little money he had, he put in his pocket. And he came home every afternoon. So when he came home, then he would hang his trousers and he would sleep. My father slept. When he came home, he would sit down and stretch his legs. And it was our duty to come and take off his socks and roll it in a particular way and wipe the shoes again and put the socks back. And then my mother would give him lunch. And after that, he would sleep for one hour. And then he would go back to work and come late. So then this boy asked my, one of my brothers, where does your father keep his money? And my brother just said, oh, in his pocket. He said, okay, when he is asleep, use a stick and bring the trousers down and then go into the pocket and bring me the money. Easily deceived. And he did it. He did it. So when my father wore his trousers, I ah, where is the money? So then he called everybody, where is the money? But he could see that my brother was trembling. So he took him out. And then he showed him that, oh, this guy who stays here. He said, when I take the money, I should bring it to you. Not even that you will benefit from it. So children are easily cheated and easily deceived. And they are also easily deceived by the enemy. They are easily deceived by internet. They are easily deceived by older friends. They are easily deceived even by bad company in the church. Not outside the church, or in the church. So these are the lambs, the type of lambs that Jesus is calling you and I to feed are people who are cheated and easily, not just deceived. That's what deception. The Bible says the whole world lies in wickedness and that Satan is the deceiver of the whole world. But we are talking about easily, easily deceived. And that is why Satan sometimes catches them early. Just this morning I was reading to Bishop on BBC that in England they were saying they now have a big alcohol problem because the children are getting drunk from the age of 10. And the intensity is between 10 and 15. And I'm saying, if you don't feel something with God... Satan will fill it with something else. Easily deceived. Most of us fell into sin because we're easily deceived. You met some godfather in secondary school and he changed your life forever. He was feeding you as a lamb with wheat. He was feeding you as a lamb with drinks. He was feeding you as a lamb with pornography. He was feeding you as a lamb with sexual things. 
And then later from the lamp stage, you graduated into a sheep of the devil and of darkness. And so we have to catch them early. Amen. A lamb is somebody who is easily deceived. Are children weak? Yes, they are weak. And they are weak-willed. Often they are weak-willed. They like to go with what is popular, what everybody is doing. They, 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 they are not strong to be different. They are not strong to say, oh, this even now, this generation cannot even say what you are doing is not right or what you are doing is not biblical. They are weak. You've just finished hearing this message and I cannot leave you without giving you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. You want to say, Lady Reverend Adley, pray for me. I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I'm not sure of where I will go or my destination. I want to make things right with God. I want to start afresh with God. I want Jesus to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. If you want to have Jesus as the Lord of your life, I just want to invite you to say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus. Take my life and come inside and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for coming to die for me, Jesus. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. And thank you that by this prayer, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus, come in and be Lord of my life. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the CDs and DVDs advertised on today's program, or to find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at thehoneyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.